You're listening to the Connections Through Creativity podcast. Here, we dive in deep into personal growth, creativity, inclusion, education, mental health, entrepreneurship, connection, community, and how we can make a positive impact. I'm your host, Rebecca Jane, founder of Rebecca Jane Art, an inclusive community art instructor, mother, author, and artist with a love of living a creative life through joy, growth, and making a positive impact in the world. Art is the catalyst for creating connections. Everyone is an artist and everyone deserves a safe space to be and feel creative, included, and heard. When we create connections through creativity, we are opening an inclusive environment to improve mental health, education, and creativity in our community. By first starting with us, we can show up for ourselves, our family, and clients so we can live a fulfilling, creative life that inspires others. Become a certified inclusive community art instructor to make a radical impact in your community. Join the certification course in Mastermind by visiting RebeccaJaneArt.ca. Are you ready? Let's get creative. Now more than ever, we know that our communities are lacking in connection and empathy. You can be that radical difference to facilitate that brave space to be our authentic selves and create. Art is the most accessible and adaptable medium. Art can facilitate community connection while enabling endless learning possibilities. The doors for the Connections Through Creativity course and Mastermind are open for September 20th, 2021. Here, you will learn how to become an inclusive community art instructor for your community. You will leave here with not only the knowledge and support to take your community to the next level in inclusion and creativity, but you will also have continuous community business support that includes templates, sales pages, website hosting, and so much more. Join me today in Connections Through Creativity Certification Course and Mastermind by booking a discovery call today. Hello. Uh, today, I am joined by Alicia Munn, who is a mom of two children, 20 and 9 years old. Uh, she married her high school sweetheart, and her son was diagnosed with FASD, or fetal alcohol syndrome, in March 2018. There were no supports that she was aware of at the time, so she created uh, an amazing support group called the Fredericton FASD. Uh, she provides education, awareness, support, advocacy, and respite. And she is doing so much more, which we will get into within the episode. I met Alicia uh, uh, just over a year ago um, when she reached out to me about my program, my inclusive, inclusive community art classes, um, and she wanted to help provide those classes that I, or help get people to be aware of the classes that I I uh, was providing so that I could help service the community that she was she was had created um, and so that had led into a lot of learning on my end and uh, an awareness and I 
have loved to get to know Alicia. She's absolutely incredible and the work she's doing is amazing. So I am absolutely honored to have her on the episode or on the podcast today. So let's dive right in. Okay, welcome to another episode of Connections Through Creativity. I am here today with Alicia Munn, and we are going to be talking about all the amazing things that uh, she's doing and uh, with fetal alcohol syndrome, and um, I cannot wait for you to meet her. Uh, Alicia and I met uh, last year, and um, I just love to learn from her and uh, be a part of her group and everything, so I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today. Um, So hello. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for inviting me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. Okay. So um, every episode that I have with a guest, uh, I always do my intro, uh, get to know you questions. So we'll get started with that and then we'll jump right in. So what is your favorite quote? My favorite quote is, be the change you want to see by Gandhi. Mm. That is such a very valuable quote for me um, in life. It's, you know, we always grumble and moan and groan because of this and because of that. But a lot of the times we just, we have a lot of the capability of change inside. So that really, that's my go-to quote. Mm -hmm. I love that. Wonderful. And uh, what's your favorite book? My favorite book actually is the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. I have ADHD. So my attention span is very, very short. So being able to dabble in short stories that are a couple pages long, but are very, you know, deep, some of them are deep, some of them are comical, some of them are just light and fluffy. So I really, that's, that's one of my go-to books that I really enjoy. Hmm. I remember seeing a picture of you reading one out on the deck. I think it was last summer. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. And then what's, uh, some art that you love, uh, are inspired by, love to create? I'm actually, I don't dabble in art as much as I desire to, but I love art forms. I love music. Um, I find music is very therapeutic for myself personally. I do not produce music, but I do enjoy others' music. Um, I love painting. I don't personally, again, paint, but Painting has such a story to tell in so many different areas. It can be therapeutic. It can be counseling. It can be just reminiscing. Um, A friend of mine used to do energy paintings and Mm. he would go into his own little studio and he was going through a really, really hard time in life. And that was kind of his niche for his um, serving himself and, and providing a better outcome in his life. And he actually gave me one of his energy paintings for my wedding gift. And I, it's very interesting because it's very abstract and every person I know has a different perspective of it. Mm. So I find that's one thing with art is it's, it is very personal to the person that is either engaging in that art of act or that act of art or vice versa to be able to view the art. I also really enjoy photography and pottery again, as a spectator. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love drinking coffee and tea out of, homemade pottery. Yes. (laughs) And I just love crafts in general. Like I just, I dabbled in cricket. I've dabbled in uh, like vinyl art. I've dabbled in jewelry, making paper crafts. Um, 
Christmas crafts, different things like that. So I just, I just love art and crafts altogether. Hmm. That's awesome. And I love because you implement that in, uh, in what you do as well. Oh, absolutely. Which, which we'll get to in a second. <laughs> what was um, the, the painter that you said, the energy painting? That uh, was uh, Silas, Silas Robinson. Silas Roberts. Robertson? Robinson. Robinson. Okay. Yeah. Cool. He's actually to... done a mural uh, with Ron Sajak as well at the uh, UMB um, of Fredericton campus for, I think, the engineering building or the, um, no, the forestry engineering building or forestry building in on campus oh okay cool yeah Yeah. i'll have to look into that okay and then the last question uh what is something that you're into right now i'm living vicariously through my daughter she is doing she's taken on a pet pony that's our covid project (laughs) i saw that (laughs) yeah so if i posted like all over facebook she took lessons years ago um and then covid happened so we were kind of like on the whole no people contact train so i was like well, I have friends that have horses and she's always liked horses and I've always loved horses. I always wanted to go to like circle square ranch, which is now, um, Snyder mountain, Snyder mountain ranch and stuff like that. When I was a kid, I never really got the opportunity to do that. So now we have a little pony that we take care of. So we go out there a couple times a week, we brush him and care for him. And he is a big brat and I love it. <laughs> I love, I love challenging behaviors. I love responsive behaviors. And we have such an amazing relationship with that pony now. She actually just rode him last night. Um, she had a really great lesson. It's, it's so awesome to see. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. I, I know. I love seeing the pictures of her, her and her pony. It's so cute. And then she did the birthday uh, shoot, right? Yes. She that had a, like adorable. a fantasy. She had like a fantasy shoot with the pony and stuff. And it was so great to see her. Like she was just this little princess and he was her knight in shining armor all done up. It was, <laughs> it was so awesome. cute. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So, um, we were just chatting before we hit record and you were telling me all the amazing things you were doing. I, um, it's amazing. So I cannot wait. Uh, can you share a little bit about all the things you're doing? <laughs> sure. Um, I know that we, I know that we have a specific time limit, so I'll try and keep everything as short and brief as I can. Um, I have a son who is 20 years old, who was diagnosed at 18 with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And he, we had pushed for diagnosis for, he had a play therapist when he was five, when he came into our care and the play therapist has suggested that he could potentially have a diagnosis of FASD. Um, we couldn't find anybody in the city of Fredericton to support that diagnosis or give us a referral to who could support it. So in turn, that kind of fueled a lot of my passion for supporting and dabbling in education and self-awareness for fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. So because there was no services and it was brick wall after brick wall, dead end after dead end, no supports, nobody knew what I was talking about. And people were just like, no, your kid's annoying and he's a brat and he doesn't fit in and blah, blah, blah. So I decided to create my own stuff. So I am currently the coordinator for the Fredericton FASD support group in Fredericton, New Brunswick. And um, in that support group, we have inclusive activities that we hold monthly due to COVID that's kind of delayed a little bit of those activities, but we still try to do different things through paper crafts, online bingo. Um, We're starting a pen pal program, trying to just do different things to help families feel connected and not so isolated. We hosted a summer camp, which is where I met Rebecca last year. She brought in um, some art therapy for our students with sensory processing or our campers. 
And we do everything through fundraising, through um, the community fundraising supports and stuff like that. I'm also by trade, a licensed practical nurse. Um, and I work at a rural community hospital in Ormacdo, New Brunswick. And then I've also worked at the Fredericton Chalmers Hospital. I've worked in just about every area except for neonatal and maternity. Um, I've worked in psychiatry, orthopedics, surgery, family medicine, um, the emergency room, which is currently where I am now. And um, I've had a lot of experience with suicide um, personally and professionally. And I've noticed that there's a huge gap for needs and support and um, awareness and education for people with neurodevelopmental disorders. So I, in turn, has created um, a committee for suicide prevention for neurodevelopmental disorders for Fredericton region. And my latest endeavors that I've currently got now is I've just signed a contract with Serenity Wellness to provide um, families with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder supports and to be able to help navigate the system for holistic services and home support. And my position will be a client care coordinator for families with FASD. And what that looks like is I will be partnering um, families and their needs. I'll be doing intakes and application forms and submitting them to professionals in the holistic community and home support through laundry services, transportation, um, massage therapy, Reiki, reflexology, respite, uh, the list goes on for services that they provide. But it's nice because I'll actually be able to educate the professionals and educate the family. So that way there, they're not going into the service green um, or just not understanding what these families need. The other thing that I just recently accepted a position on the CAN FASD um, Parent Advisory Committee. Uh, my name has been submitted for the New Brunswick representative. And I've also accepted a position on the Fredericton Association of Community Living, um, which affiliates and works collaboratively with Community Living in Fredericton, um, MBACL, the New Brunswick Association of Community Living. So that's kind of all of my projects right now. <laughs> um, and I kind of am sort of doing like a respite foster program for a young adult male um, in the community. So that's, that's kind of what I've been up to. <laughs> so many things. <laughs> so many things. I was so excited to hear because I know that like I've been hearing little tidbits about all the changes happening and everything, but uh, it's so, so good to hear all of the things. Um, so tell us a little bit about uh, fetal alcohol syndrome because um, you have a direct and very personal relationship with this and um, you're supporting a lot of the community. I love how you took, um, you know, it's so heartbreaking to hear about your son um, and the lack of services, but that's why, you know, people like us are here to, uh, you know, service them now. So all the changes that you've made and uh, the impact that you're making now is just incredible. So tell us a little bit about, uh, about what it means, um, maybe even for birth and, and all the things. So what FASD or fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is, is it's classified as a neurodevelopmental disorder. And it's actually a form of brain damage caused by prenatal alcohol exposure. So mom, drinks alcohol while she's pregnant. Um, there's a lot of stigma around this. So a lot of people don't like to talk about it because they don't want to be shunned. They don't want to 
have to explore the grief component with that. Um, there's so much judgment in society and it's really unfortunate because it doesn't need to be that way. There is no way to physically tell the second you get pregnant. Um, and so for a mom to consume alcohol during pregnancy is not a malicious intention. And a lot of people I talk to, they're like, well, how could you not know you're pregnant? So there's studies in the United States right now that actually tell based on which um, part of the body or the affected to determine what day mom drank during pregnancy. So a lot of people think that with FASD or fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, it should be a physical appearance or it should be a physical form, but it's not, it's brain damage. And they're actually showing now that there's 467 um, physical and mental components that can actually be affected by prenatal alcohol exposure. There's connective tissue disorders, there's congenital heart issues, there's, uh, um, I don't know if this is the politically correct word and please correct me if I'm wrong, but growth retardation um, or stunted growth. Um, there's a lot of, uh, people have like a lot of hyperlaxity in their joints. So therefore their joints are popping in and out of place a lot. There's sensory components where they don't necessarily feel pain or temperature appropriately. Um, there's uh, chromosomal disorders that are mutated by alcohol consumption in utero. Alcohol is classified as a tetragen, so it actually is very toxic to the baby's brain, and that's where the alcohol is actually going, is to the baby's brain, and that's why it is a brain disorder, and it is a form of brain damage. There, We only have one diagnostic center in New Brunswick, and that's the FASD Center of Excellence in Moncton. Prior to COVID, they were diagnosing 24 cases a year, and since COVID, they're diagnosing four. Oh. So... The unfortunate thing is that a lot of people don't understand is the current stats is we currently have over 800 people in New Brunswick that are diagnosed with this, with this disorder or with this form of brain damage. And those stats in my personal and professional opinion are not accurate as they've only been stats recorded by the center of excellence. So there's also a diagnostic center in Nova Scotia that families are receiving support from. And about 15 years ago, there was a professional that came from Newfoundland that did mass clinics of diagnosis. And he kind of had his own set formula and um, decided to diagnose based on his formula. And a lot of those people in turn have been supported or not supported based on their diagnosis. Um, this population, because of brain damage, they have struggles with executive function. So they don't understand cause and effect. They struggle with knowing um, the application of tasks. A lot of people are like, oh, well, they just need a life skills course or they just need a babysitting course. or they just need this, this, and this to teach them. Well, they already know how to do said task. It's the application of the task that's mm-hmm. broke. Um, with FASD, uh, we're trying to raise awareness that there is no safe amount of alcohol consumed during pregnancy. And their latest studies are actually recommending moms that are trying to get pregnant to abstain from alcohol three months prior to trying. Oh, wow. Three months. So three months. And there's um, some, there is some correlation and some research being um, dabbled into with the effects of dad as well. And there is some, there is some statistics that show that uh, alcohol consumption uh, can actually affect the sperm as well, but that the, there's not as much study done into that, but it can cause, it can lead to like chromosomal defects and um, different connections with 
with the chromosomes because that's where the father actually comes into play with the conception. So that's kind of just a little bit about FASD. Um, a lot of these children are in foster care. A lot of these children have been adopted and their adoption homes break down. I personally know of six uh, adoptive homes in Fredericton that have broken down because the families didn't receive support. So therefore- What do you mean exactly by broken down? The child was taken away from the biological parents, put into care of the minister, adopted, and then put back into the care of the minister. Oh. So then these families and these children no longer have parents. They no longer have a home and they're put back into foster care, the streets or incarcerated or put into group homes or special care homes. Oh my God. That's, <laughs> it's really heartbreaking hearing all. <laughs> it, it, it is. And that's where a lot of people don't understand. And I am very pro education and awareness and um and i don't discredit any disability because every disability needs some type of attention the unfortunate thing with this specific disability is it is invisible and what they can do today they can't do tomorrow or they can't do three days from now but they can do in six months and that's very challenging for support people and professionals working with them because they're not seeing the progress happen as fast Mm -hmm. they don't feel like they're being therapeutic Um, they're advising mom and dad that they're the problem of why their child isn't growing and developing into their care, their plan of care. And it's really stressful um, because there's nowhere for these parents to turn because the child is either not disabled enough. They don't look disabled on paper because they understand and know how to do things. Um, But there's also a spectrum just like autism. So some children on the spectrum may never ever live independently. They may never um, successfully complete high school on a non-accommodated or modified or a special education program. Um, A lot of uh, incarceration, they're showing 30% of people in prisons have FASD. That's a national statistic. So if you have... Yeah. If you have a child who has a form of brain damage and you're taking them to jail because they don't understand that robbing a bank or taking a candy bar is a bad thing to do because they're impulsive. That part of their brain is broke. Um, There's also sleep issues. There's all of these issues. Their circadian rhythm is not programmed properly. There's, There's just such a vast amount of struggles that families go through. Wow. Um, To go back to the pregnancy for a second, because I think I saw you share a post um, about it was like 40 or 50% of women don't know, or like aren't trying, they're not, they're not planned pregnancies or something like that. 60% of pregnancies are not planned. Yeah, that's a lot. (laughs) And right now in New Brunswick, um, the latest statistics that I had heard uh, that was probably about six or eight months ago is our alcohol um, sales from our MB liquor corporations is up by 57% Ooh. and our pregnancies are up by 46%. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, we have a lot of work to do for education and awareness. Um, and West of Ontario, there is a government mandate responsibility for social responsibility to liquor corporations that they have to provide social responsibility and awareness um, that alcohol can affect prenatally. But west of 
Ontario, that is not the case. Hmm. They're not legally responsible um, for providing that social responsibility for pregnancy and alcohol hmm. consumption. What what might have made that? Like, why why are they doing that there and not and not here? So from what I've been learning recently is statistics and awareness. So right now, New Brunswick has just started researching. The Center of Excellence has only been established for the last 10 years. And previously, it's currently taken over by Vitalite Healthcare um, Network. But we have two different health regions in New Brunswick. So we have Horizon Health and we have Vitalite. And the Vitalite deals a lot with the Francophone and Acadian community, but also with the Anglophone community. And Horizon um, deals with primarily the English communities, but they also will work with the Francophone communities as well. Okay. So there's that. Um, and so we don't have the statistics to present to government to state that this is an issue. And the other thing is, is there's so many issues on the table with levels of government that it's where do we put the money? Where do we put the funding? Where do, how do we get the best bang for the buck for government dollars to be able to support these, this population? This is crazy. <laughs> like there's it is. so intricate and like, and you're right. Like the lack of awareness is so yeah. fast. Like I, I know when we connected at first, I was like, what is F S A D? Cause you're like, do you support these kids? Cause I was working with kids with autism. Yeah. I was like, I'm sorry. I don't know what that is. <laughs> and, uh, and I knew what fetal alcohol syndrome was, uh, but very, very, not even basic really I just knew the term really um so it's it's I did I I mean I think it's I would assume now like it's from my point of view anyway it seems fairly common knowledge that you don't drink when you're pregnant like that's just like a given but like I mean I didn't I had an unplanned pregnancy and you know I had no idea that I was pregnant but I was lucky enough to find out early enough but it was still only you know two or three weeks in right so it's uh and this used to be this used to be originally a first nations community pan epidemic yeah um they're saying that within the next five years 2.5 percent of the population will be diagnosed with fasd and it will or sorry it will exceed autism diagnosis by 2.5 percent Oh, wow. One of the differences between autism and FASD and the major difference is, is we know what causes FASD, right? Autism. We don't. Mm -hmm. So we can technically prevent if a mom abstains from alcohol while engaging in sexual intercourse, because those two hand in hand, we know that you will have the potential of having a child with FASD. Yeah. And when I was saying in the United States about their studies and stuff there, and there's actually, you can actually visually see a brain is very different affected by alcohol versus a brain that's physiologically not affected by alcohol. So it's not just the neurons. It's not just the behaviors. There is a physiological difference depending on how much alcohol was consumed during in utero. There's a picture going around from the seventies, seventies um, or late eighties. And it is a very significantly deformed brain, um, the white matter and the gray matter and all of the medical terms and stuff. It's, it's very, very evident to see that there is a significant um, amount of affect from alcohol consumption. 
people don't like to share that picture because it is so portraying. I personally, as a visual learner, that shows me that my child is not choosing this behavior. My child is not choosing to not learn. My child is not choosing to scream and yell. It's when I see that brain, I don't, I see that, okay, they can't help it. And that takes a lot of pressure off me as a parent to, to try harder, to do more, to, to push more because I see that they can't, it doesn't matter how much I do, that's never going to be fixed. Yeah. So that's why I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm providing community awareness because I know, um, yes, my son was an unfortunate situation. My son came to me in care. He was in care of the minister of child and family services. My son is actually a family member. I actually know his whole medical history prenatally. Um, I don't blame mom. I get frustrated because mom wasn't supported the way she needed to be supported. Um, I don't blame her though, because I know where she came from. I know what she struggled with. And I know if she had support and services, the outcome would be very different. And my son wouldn't have had to experience the trauma in utero and out of utero that he did. Mm. And that's another thing that a lot of people don't understand is if you adopt a child and you have a beautiful life with this child and they say they need trauma therapy or you need trauma therapy. And you're like, well, my kid has had a wonderful life consuming alcohol as a baby while you're in utero is a form of trauma. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of things that people don't look at. So the flip side is I have been able to provide service from myself and community and family to my son. So now my son is 20 years old. He is working full time. He is not on an accommodated work plan. He receives no formal support for special needs or accommodating accommodations at work. He is now independently supportive, independently living in his own home that he's bought himself. It's paid for. Um, He has 10 hours a week of home support that come in to help him with that executive function. So they help tell him that he needs to have his dishes done. He can do the task, but telling him to do it is broken. Mm -hmm. Knowing where to start in your list of to do's, he doesn't know what to do. It becomes too overwhelming budgeting. He has someone to sit down with him and think about all of the things he has to budget for. And that happens weekly. Grocery list, filling out that grocery list for him, you know, his savings, helping him figure out what that looks like. That's what supportive living looks like for my son. He also has his driver's license. He has his own car. He has a social network. He has a therapeutic relationship with his family. So he, he is a successful situation. Mm -hmm. Um, I have another person in my care that I'm providing the same support for, and he's thriving. He's working. He's in a healthy relationship with a significant other. Um, You know, he has a friend network and it's, it's meeting them where they are and trying to figure out what you can do for them. Hmm. I'm reading um, a book right now uh, about kindness, deep kindness. And it's like, I find there's so many, um, it's, it's very intertwined with inclusion, just like, and it's what you just said, like meeting them where they're at. It's just that deep compassion of knowing that where they, where they need to be met. It's not kind to just go and do it for them if yeah. that's not what they want, you know, like it's, it's helping them thrive. And like, I just love your perspective on like how it's that all that pressure is off of you. Cause I can see it would be very emotionally hard. And then like to put all that blame and guilt and shame 
upon you or the family or the child even uh just it just sounds so so difficult and I love your perspective on 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 this it's just you're so it's very holistic and and um you know you're you're able to to meet them where they're at like you said I love that and also too with, and it doesn't matter if you have FASD, ADHD, autism, ODD, OCD, any of the ABCs that come with a diagnosis of a person that mm. doesn't fit neurotypical behavior. Um, meeting them where they're at is so crucial. Mm-hmm. And a diagnosis, it shouldn't matter if you have a diagnosis or not. Essentially, when you provide, like you said, that deep kindness, um, sometimes that is just enough. Some And as a person with a special needs child, it is a heavy parenting. It, it, the weight of the world is on your shoulders. It's you and this kid against the world and you can't trust anybody because you're going to be disappointed. You can't advocate because nobody's listening. You can't get help because there's no help to get. And it doesn't have to be that way. When my son, we would go camping I told the whole community about my son and about his behaviors, not because I was bragging or because I wanted them to babysit my son or anything like that. But if my son was taking something out of their garden, they would have compassion for him to understand that he can't help that. And then later I would return the item rather than have them calling the police or talking to the park manager and him being a nuisance and spiraling effect. I've, you know, it's, I've had several situations that, could have legally turned out very different for these kids and with the right people in the right place at the right time, the same amount of lesson can be learned without the detriment. Yeah. I think, um, the, the diagnosis. So what you said about like having a diagnosis or not, like right now, I feel like I see people like even who are who are not diagnosed, who, who might've needed a diagnosis as a child, but, you know, going through that as an adult and realizing this is my identity, this is what I needed, this is what I have. And like seeing that, like, I feel like a diagnosis is not necessarily like we, we need it right now because it's teaching people all the differences. And I, and I, um, who is it? Glennon, Glennon Doyle had a, similar analogy for um uh for your not gender um but your relationship i'm, I'm totally like um <laughs> totally blanking on the, the word right now but um like your sexuality there we go yes. for your sexuality and it, i think it's it, it's applying it, i think it applies to all labels but she says like we had two glasses of one, you know, or one glass of, of, you know, heterosexual, this is your cup, everybody fits in this cup. And then we added another cup. Okay, well, this is, this is what it means to be gay. And then now we have this whole spectrum of LGBTQ um, (laughs) sea of glasses. And it's overwhelming to have all these glasses. But eventually, it will look, I see a world eventually, a whole river right? We don't need that diagnosis eventually because everybody will be accepted and everybody, like, that's how I see the world, even, yeah. you know, in a and I can, world. 
Exactly. But it goes for all of these things. Like we need that autism di- diagnosis. We need that F-A-S-A-D. Really bad with that. F-A-S-D. That's all right. There's so many of them. Yeah. But we need those diagnoses right now. But of like, it's so that we understand all these differences and what they need and what they need. And, but eventually it will just come, it all comes right down to that deep kindness, compassion and inclusion. Well, absolutely. And the fact too, like I've, I always say this and people kind of laugh at me, but I'm like, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's not a cow, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So if you have a person presenting with this, deal with that at that moment in 10 years from now, they might not be that they might be this. Yeah. So deal with what it is in that moment. And the other thing that I don't think I really mentioned was we never got a diagnosis for my son until he was 18. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I went from five to 18 with a diagnosis of ADHD and attachment disorder. Well, you can't get anything special or wonderful because those two diagnoses are so common and overused. And now I have family saying to me, they're like, well, maybe my kid doesn't have FASD. They have ADHD. And I'm like, but ADHD is a side effect of the FASD. Mm. Just like sensory processing is a side effect, whether that's the proper language. I'm not sure. I, I know language is very important. I am very literal and I am very concrete. So sometimes I don't necessarily use the right language. I find in a society we can get very hung up on language Mm -hmm. when essentially five different people are saying five different words, but we all mean the same thing. And, you know, like to have that diagnosis is great, but a lot of times we can't get it. The center of excellence is diagnosing four people a year. And we currently have 800 in the process in the, in the province right now. Mm. And we have no adult diagnostic center. We only have a youth or a child diagnostic Mm. center. So What's happening now is FASD has only started being researched in the eight, in the late seventies, early eighties. So now we have all of these adults that are not holding down jobs. They're not holding down relationships. They're dropping out of school. They're drop. They're graduating with extreme, extreme accommodations. Their families are breaking down. They're couch surfing. They're homeless. They're wreaking havoc on themselves. And the other thing I struggle is a lot of parents say to me, they're like, well, I don't know how to talk to my kid about this. And at the end of the day, your child already knows they're different. Yeah. So by giving them the words they need to understand why they're different, how much more harm is that going to do than them trying to figure it out on their own? Yeah. Because they will, Mm -hmm. they will figure it out and they will go to the LBGTQ community because the LBGTQ community knows what it feels like to have oppression and racism and hate and judgment and all of these. So they're a very accepting, welcoming community because Mm -hmm. they know what that feels like. Mm -hmm. But if we could all just, like you said, that deep rooted kindness and be kind to each other, those glasses are beautiful because you need to have those glasses of all different colors and shapes and sizes to have a beautiful rainbow. Hmm. I've never seen anyone look at a rainbow after a rain to say, Oh my gosh, that's ugly. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But so you see it and you're like, Oh wow, it's a rainbow. And everyone's like so excited about it. And 
but yet as a society, we see all these different cups and we're like, oh, well, this is a problem or, oh, I don't like that. Or I don't like this. And I don't like this. It's like, yeah, but when we all come together, like you said, that river, it's actually beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> um, okay. I want, um, to kind of end this off, just like, what do you want people to take away from, from this? I guess the most important thing is acceptance. Mm -hmm. If you're screaming at your child, that doesn't mean that you're a bad person. If you are fighting with the school board, that doesn't mean that nobody's listening. We're all in this together. Reach out for help, ask questions. If you have to ask the same question 50 times, ask them and try to keep the walls from building up so high that they become disabling. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times in life, we build up these walls and these barriers and these hurts. And this is in general with anybody. And then nobody can love your child as much as you. No one can love you because you're not capable of being loved. You're not capable of being helped. You're not capable of being supported because everything just goes down the wayside and everything dissolves. If, if we take those past hurts and frustrations and anger, and we just, like you said, that deep rooted kindness, take all that and put kindness to it. It allows us to go with the future, to be able to support people with FASD, LBGTQ community, people with neurodevelopmental disorders, people with medical issues, people that are hurting and down on life. And it's kindness is definitely the root of life really. Mm, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I could just listen to you talk all day, I think. No. <laughs> um, okay. And so I want everybody to be able to find you where you're at. If, uh, you know, if they feel called to, you know, if they need to support or, or just want to learn more. Um, so where can we, where can we find you? So you can find information um, from serenitywellness.com. Okay. And uh, the Fredericton um, FASD support group, we're located on Facebook. Serenity Wellness also has a Facebook page as well. And they're also located on the internet and the Fredericton FASD support group. They're located on Facebook. And I think we now have an Instagram account. Oh, good. Okay. So I can send you the link for those and you can post them. Yep. I'll have everything in the, everything in the show notes there for you. Excellent. Everybody can find, find it there. Um, yeah, that's great. So, um, and is Freder the Fredericton uh, group, is that one just for people in Fredericton? Can it be outside of that or? So my mission is always to provide inclusion and inclusive networks. So we currently have about 80 families from the Fredericton region. And then we have probably about 21 to 22 um, other people in the community, people in different communities and stuff like that. I actually have some people internationally that have joined our support group. And one of them is actually in our pen pal program right now from Ireland. So we, you know, we foster anybody and everybody, but for the activities, a lot of them are local Yeah, for that standpoint. You did the little uh, cart, the Valentine's Day cards. That was so cool. Yes. I, I, I was like, I should have done that. I, 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 wanted to, I need to do one of these activities with you guys. We have a donkey one coming up soon. So donkey, <laughs> a donkey card. <laughs> you guys do such fun things. Like your camp was so much fun. I didn't want to leave after my art thing. 
And we've secured archery this year for camp. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah. Something different. That's exciting. Are you guys doing the same kind of thing at your parents or? Uh, I think we're going to try it at our house this year. Yeah. Okay, good. Awesome. Oh, that's going to be so much fun. (laughs) So excited for it. Yeah, good. Okay. So um, was there anything else that uh, you wanted to add before we head off? I think we've covered it for today. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I loved, I I feel like I didn't even talk, like I just listened to you and it was amazing. (laughs) So uh, thank you for sharing and all the work you're doing is absolutely incredible. So keep it up and keep sharing because people definitely need to, to know about this. So, well, thank you very much for the opportunity to be able to share my voice and be a voice for families that are struggling. Yeah, absolutely. I'm grateful to have you. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you loved this episode, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And be sure to follow me on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on everything at Rebecca Jane Art. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, happy creating.